0: They've worked in and around the wrestling business, they've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, hall of famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Paz and Chad, the two men!
1: Man Power Chip of Wrestling, brought to you and powered by Meowbox. Meowbox is a cat subscription box service full of surprises and delivered to your door every month. And please stay tuned for a very special offer for our listeners, courtesy of Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And with that being said, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the one and only... Prime time, John Paz. And you heard the voice at the top of the podcast. and that is our guest today, the One and Only Sergeant Slaughter. And man, oh man, I, there's not enough time in this day to get all the things out that I want to say about the Sarge and having Sergeant Slaughter on our show, but I want to send a very, very, very big thank you out to the Potomac Nationals and our man Brian over there with the Nationals. They are doing a stellar job in Woodbridge, Virginia. Please go to PotomacNationals.com for more information on Sergeant Slaughter's appearance Saturday, September 5th. It's going to be a full-scale meet and greet. There's going to be fireworks. There's going to be an opportunity for kids to run the bases. There's going to be so many fun family activities for your kids, for yourself. So please, if you're in the DMV, if you're in the district, if you're in Maryland, if you're in Virginia, if you're in West Virginia, if you're in North Carolina, hell, if you're from New Jersey, New York, Delaware, you want to come down, you want to meet Sergeant Slaughter. It's this Saturday, September 5th. Go to PotomacNationals.com for more information on that. And with that being said, let me welcome in my man, primetime John Paz. And John, Sergeant Slaughter really being the first crossover Superstar from wrestling to mainstream entertainment. He made a big impact, but what would you say his biggest impact was in pop culture?
0: Wow, what an amazing, amazing guest, obviously, that we have today. The great, the legendary, the WWE Hall of Famer, the Sarge, Sergeant Slaughter. Just amazing to get him. And uh, my overall thoughts on his pop culture impact is just uh, tremendous. If you think about Sarge, Outside of WWE, outside of WWF, obviously, you know, big in the AWA and uh, big in the NWA for the Mid-L- Mid-Atlantic Territory. But, I mean, you really think, that you think about G.I. Joe. I mean, he was such a great character in G.I. Joe. He might have been my favorite character in G.I. Joe. He was so great and so impactful. They made millions and millions of toys for him. I mean, he's in the movie. He's uh, doing commercials. He was all over the place. He was... As you said, he was pretty much the first major crossover into, you know, the pop culture where um, he's basically mainstream and he's basically a big draw. He's making some money, selling some toys and selling some, uh, some action figures, if you will. And he was basically, you know, the first real, real marketable guy. Obviously, Hulk Hogan would play a major role in that. But if you think about it, 1985 people. Um, Sergeant Slaughter, with the you know his his figures and his commercials and stuff, he really was maybe possibly the first major crossover star from wrestling.
1: But let's focus on what the show is about, of course, and that is wrestling. And Sergeant Slaughter has had such a great career in the wrestling business, and it seems like now, anytime there needs to be some kind of patriotic influence around a WWE character, or maybe there's a bad guy who needs a lesson taught to him, and you hear Sarge's music hit. You know he's coming down and you know business is about to pick up as uh, the good great Jim Ross would say. But how about Sarge's impact on professional wrestling and what would be your favorite memory of Sergeant Slaughter? Now we all know about the, the heel turn, the big heel turn. We all know about, you know, some of the legendary matches, is the WWE Hall of Famer. He's had such a big career. We get into a lot of great aspects of his career, but I gotta ask, favorite wrestling memory of Sergeant Slaughter? Go.
0: Hmm. Favorite wrestling memory of Sarge in the wrestling business. That that might be a little tough one. I'm thinking. I do remember. Um, obviously, when after he turned heel, he did the whole "I want my country back," and he was a big time face. And that was that was pretty good. I kind of like that because you know I like him being a a, a patriot and uh, you know getting back to uh, his original gimmick of being a. Um, well, not original, but uh, the old gimmick of him being the the Patriot himself and, you know, the Pitch of Allegiance. And, uh, you know, my I Want My Country Back was pretty good. But you know what? I, I got to say, just because of the p- sheer impact of it and uh, and how cool it was at the time that it was such a heat magnet. and I just loved his heel run. His heel run was probably my, uh, my favorite wrestling memory just because it was so impactful as far as heat as far as just drawing pure hatred from the crowd when he beat the warrior for the title that was just an amazing moment then his feud with hogan was great him burning the hogan shirt etc etc him being an iraqi sympathizer him with general adnan who is iraqi you know then they had colonel mustafa a little bit later on but i I don't know his heel run it was so crazy at the time just remember thinking oh my god this guy supports iraq during the iraqi war so obviously you I mean there's death threats uh bomb threats there's all this stuff going on but i gotta say the, the heel run was just amazing and, and you didn't see it coming because he was such a patriot before that so i gotta go with his awesome heel run as the iraqi sympathizer
1: in 91 winning the world title from the ultimate warrior But at the end of the day, he really is the G.I. Joe come to life. And before there was a a couple G.I. Joe live action movies, you know, Sarge was the guy. He was the G.I. Joe. They were all cartoon characters. It was a great show. It was a fantastic toy line that spawned. Uh, really uh how toy lines were molded in the 1980s and how cartoons were made in the 1980s but Sarge was the guy come to life and what are your memories of G.I. Joe growing up and Sgt. Slaughter being a part of G.I. Joe
0: yes Sarge like I mentioned before him and G.I. Joe was just awesome my by far I think he's my favorite character he was so, so cool the drill instructor uh the American Patriot, it's just amazing, amazing character on G.I. Joe, and so memorable everyone remembers him. Whether you don't, let's say oh, I don't really remember Sergeant Slaughter as a wrestler somebody, you know, never really followed the business they know Sergeant Slaughter from G.I. Joe and that's the impact of being, you know, the pop culture star that he was and, and quite frankly still is and it was just awesome to see him on those epic, epic commercials I was actually going through YouTube and I was watching some, old, some of those awesome old commercials of his and of course, one of my favorite movies of all time, the, uh, the G.I. Joe movie from the 80's, the cartoon movie which is still, if you watch today it still holds up today. They're still talking about it today Day, almost 20 years later, awesome movie and Sgt. Slaughter played a huge role in that movie and it was just awesome in it so I, a Sarge in G.I. Joe was amazing and it just goes on top of having an awesome wrestling career as well
1: and let's talk about the impact of actually as funny as it is, action figures and toys on Sergeant Slaughter's relationship with professional wrestling WWE and actually mentions even the, uh, the AWA uh, jumping in while he was a part of G.I. Joe, but toys having such a major impact and decisions that he made. And Sarge, I, I got to say, I was so surprised, could name nearly off the top of his head, basically every action figure that he's had a part in. He, he used lines from commercials that he was a part in that you mentioned earlier, uh, the great ones you were watching. But, Talk about how toys and action figures played a role in Sergeant Slaughter's decision making and moving from one aspect of his career into the next. Yeah, you know what? It's so funny.
0: Action figures do play a huge part in Sergeant Slaughter's history, oddly enough. I mean, he had the dispute with Vince McMahon over being in two different toy lines. Uh, you one with GI Joe when they were actually you know involved with Hasbro and WWE, excuse me WWF back then was uh, with LJN. So Vince had a problem with that, and you'll hear all about that in Sarge's interview. So I mean that is some real cool stuff to get into, and it's so interesting. Like you know for Vince to really tell Slaughter, uh, you know go be in GI Joe if you want, because uh, you know a dispute over the action figures. So obviously Sarge went and to be a part of G.I. Joe, and then he came back to WWF, so it all worked out for Sarge in the end, but it's just so interesting to think about it. A action figure, or a toy, could come between it because it was just, WWE was dealing with a different company, and Sarge wanted to be on G.I. Joe, which was a different company, so really, really weird stuff, but uh, kind of very interesting once uh, you hear Sarge tell the story. But, my favorite Sarge Slaughter figure, like we were talking about the Hasbro, talking about LJN, the LJN figure was just amazing that's just such an awesome figure i love that figure uh, i don't know if it was my favorite though but i do love it the first uh, hasbro of sergeant slaughter from i think it was 1985 maybe it was 86 love that figure with the usa across you know the awesome hat his awesome chin is there uh, it's just that figure was so so cool but i don't even know if i can call that one my favorite oddly enough i think my favorite sergeant slaughter figure would have to be when he had the blue tank top on and you know in the camo pants and it was called the Slaughter's Marauders I don't know if a lot of people will remember that but awesome figure I always loved it and I had the whole set with all the other guys in Slaughter Marauders and, and the uh, you know and the uh, the other toys that go with it so it was so cool so I, I gotta say if i have to pick a favorite sergeant slaughter toy i might have to go with the uh,
1: randomness of the slaughters marauders figure oh great pick great pick for favorite gi joe sergeant slaughter action figure of all time i absolutely love slaughters marauders although i was a little bit of a tiger force guy myself i gotta give it up to slaughters marauders those were very very cool Uh, action figures back in the day. And we want to remind everybody first that Saturday, September 5th in Woodbridge, Virginia at the Fitzner Stadium there will be a very special meet and greet with Sergeant Slaughter as the Potomac Nationals celebrate the end to an amazing season with fireworks and tons of family activities. Gates open at 5 o'clock and please we urge you to come visit the Potomac Nationals and go to PotomacNationals.com for more information. And also, we cannot forget that today's episode is ...brought to you by Meowbox and Meowbox.com. And if you go to Meowbox.com and use the the code POWERTRIP10... ...in all capitals, POWERTRIP10... ...you can get 10% off your first subscription just by being a listener to the two-man power trip of wrestling and if you use power trip 10 and you go to meowbox.com you are going to be one of the happiest cat owners that you could possibly know and i'm now going to turn it over to one of the happiest cat owners that i possibly know and not only is he going to tell you a little bit more about meowbox but he's going to do a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business so prime time the floor is yours
0: yes chad meowbox they're back baby meowbox.com they have a great great service called one box can where they will donate a can of food to a shelter cat for every purchase on your behalf also they will personalize your meow box with your cat's name on the inside of it and all the edible items That are in your meow box are either made in canada or the usa so you know where your ingredients are coming from and most importantly for me i have a very picky cat named lucy who has a very very special diet so you have the option like i did to receive meow boxes with no edible item no edible items excuse me they instead replace them with toys and surprises yes toys and surprises great great stuff from Meowbox. so please go to meowbox.com promo code powertrip10 for 10% off your first subscription again that's meowbox.com promo code powertrip10 now on to some tmpt business like us on facebook follow us on twitter subscribe to us on youtube also subscribe to us on itunes Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. we got some great stuff and some great stuff on the feed, so check out that. we got interviews with the late, great Dusty Rhodes, Jim Ross, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, WB's Kane, and WB's Dean Ambrose, plus many, many more. So please check that out. Also, check out the website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And also, check us out on the I-95 Sports Network. We're on live with... Best of episodes every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, so please, it's the I-95 Sports Network, and check us out there. Now, without any further ado, we move on to a great, great, great episode, I can't stress that enough, with a huge star, a WWE Hall of Famer, a pop culture icon, a former NWA U.S. Champion, two times, a former NWA Tag Team Champion, and of course, the best G.I. Joe character of all time, and... Last but certainly not least, a former WWF world champion. He is one of the greatest of all times. He is one of the most popular wrestlers of all time. He is Sergeant Slaughter. Please enjoy Maggots.
2: So, joining us on the line today is, of course, a WWE Hall of Famer. He's a G.I. Joe come to life and a no-doubt pop culture icon. He's a former WWE heavyweight champion. Ladies and gentlemen, please stand at attention for the legendary Sergeant Slaughter. Thank you so much for joining the two-man powership of wrestling.
3: Uh, Okay, that's all right. At ease, thank you for the (laughs) great introduction.
2: Oh, my pleasure. Had me sweating there for a second, but let's remind everybody: Saturday, September 5th in Woodbridge, Virginia, at the Fitzner Stadium, there's going to be a very special meet and greet with Sergeant Slaughter as the Potomac Nationals celebrate the end to an amazing season with fireworks and a ton of family activities. The gates open at 5 p.m. and fans will have the chance to meet Sergeant Slaughter. And tickets are available at PotomacNationals.com. Sarge, it is so awesome to have you on. We really appreciate your time.
3: Great to be here and uh, looking forward to meeting all the uh, WWE fans and uh, all the uh, universe. And of course, G.I. Joe, the real American hero fans. Don't forget to bring your uh, memorabilia from both WWE and G.I. Joe. And we'll get them signed and uh, have a great time meeting everybody.
2: It's such a great cross of two different generational platforms. WWE and G.I. Joe Just so synonymous With like I said Pop culture The 1980s And just it, Literally this generation Just is all about Sergeant Slaughter But As funny as it is Woodbridge, Virginia Is not too far from an area You're very familiar with And that's the Mid-Atlantic Wrestling Territory And at one point Mid-Atlantic featured one of the most impressive collection of stars ever assembled in one place, like with Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper, Blackjack Mulligan, your partner Don Cronodal, Wahoo McDaniel, so many others. But what are some of your favorite Mid-Atlantic memories?
3: Well, there are so many of them. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Jay Youngblood, and uh, my partner at the time, uh, we probably had some of the greatest, uh, matches ever witnessed, uh, in tag team action. And, uh, the match we had in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, in a cage match for the title. Uh, they, they still, uh, claim that wasn't a great, was one of the uh, greatest, uh, matches of all time because, uh, they never had tag matches in a cage before. And plus there was so much on the line. If they, uh, Steamboat and Youngblood lost. Uh, they could never wrestle again as a team. And, of course, if we lost, we lost the titles. And uh, back then, you know, we didn't have pay-per-views. We had closed circuits and kept trying to get uh, Crockett Promotions to rent the building next door to do closed circuit. But they were, you know, uh, uh, buying tickets in advance weren't a big deal either. So, uh, but uh, ended up... Uh, the police report, I still have a little clipping in my uh, office that said that uh, sixteen to 20,000 people were turned away on that day, and uh, that, that's a lot of uh, fans wanting to, to see a match, and uh, so it, it meant a lot, and uh, it's still uh, very uh, close to Don and I. I see Steve once in a while, and, and he always mentions that match.
2: Yeah, totally. We uh, we talked to him not too long ago, and that was one of the matches that he did bring up. And it's funny that, you know, that Mid-Atlantic wrestling territory, in the grand scheme of things, it seems like it was so long ago that it was up and running. But, you know, it still has such a lasting effect in the area. The fans are still rabid for Mid-Atlantic wrestling. But how about the fans of the Mid-Atlantic area? Did, did they differ at all from any of the fans in other territories that you were at at that point of your career?
3: No, all the fans are pretty much the same wherever you go.
2: Uh, As long as you entertain
3: them, tell them a good story, uh, they're going to get behind you, whether you're the uh, hero or the villain. Uh, It's just the way you uh, come across your character, uh, it's just really uh, nice to see that uh, the fans are getting back into that, wanting to be told the story and... uh, it makes it so much easier and it's so much fun for the uh, villains and the, and the heroes uh, to, to tell those stories and have people that really want to watch those stories and, and continue to watch them.
0: Now, we were talking about great matches. Obviously, you and uh, Ternoodle against uh, Steamboat and Youngblood, definitely a good one, but one that really sticks out to me that you can actually watch on the uh, WWE Network is from MSG. And it was a great feud you had with the legendary Pat Patterson, and it was an alley fight, and it was today's what you, I guess you'd call hardcore style. But you, what were your memories of that match? What are your memories of feuding with Pat Patterson in MSG? Well,
3: it's uh, it, as you said, it was hardcore before hardcore, and, and we really didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, I just talked to Pat Patterson about it at SummerSlam, and uh, it, it was uh, one of those matches that uh, he said was the greatest of his career. And uh, the whole uh, magic about the match was that there was no referee. And uh, if you go in uh, and try to have a match without a referee, uh, it's pretty difficult, especially to hold the fans and and keep them, you know, on their feet and and interested in the match. And uh, it just, from the time, you know, we were allowed to wear whatever we wanted to wear in the ring. Uh, There were no rules, of course, no referee uh how how did you, you know stop a match like that? And uh nobody really had any idea. And so we just went out there and, and uh battled and battled and battled and, uh, from the time I stepped uh onto the apron we started fighting and uh, uh you know, blood, the sweat and the beer as they say, uh I was battling for uh for everything I had and find me back in the ring when all of a sudden I saw this towel go flying into the ring. I was just so uh, upset because I wasn't done. I, I wanted to continue and and uh, finally they sent officials out there and stopped the match. And I really didn't lose. You know, it, it really propelled Sergeant Slaughter to be the, the badass guy that he is today, that he never quit, even though he was, you know, bleeding half to death. And uh would stop the battle and, and really propelled me into the next step of going against the iron chute and fighting for America and uh and everything that continued and went on from there.
0: I definitely want to get into, you know, the patriotic side of you, but you, you mentioned that you and Pat Patterson were at SummerSlam and speaking of that weekend, obviously it was a huge weekend with NXT takeover being in Brooklyn and Lo and behold, your first row, and, you know, they get a great shot of you and Ric Flair on camera. What was it like at NXT? Did you enjoy your time? Did you enjoy the show?
3: You know, it was pretty incredible. I, I was uh, kind of set set back myself a little bit because there was so much energy in, in the audience in, in the crowd uh, and the uh, performers. You know, a lot of them I didn't really know as well as I do the WWE, you know, superstars. And uh I've gotten to know more of the Divas because there isn't as many of them. But uh you know, putting you know, getting out there and, and seeing you know, there wasn't many uh of the WWE superstars there. Uh some were you know wandering around and, and but uh, it was like NXT's own little private show to the public and uh I was just uh incredibly entertained and uh, to be asked to go out at ringside and and watch one of the matches. And, and, uh, you know, it was just uh, a great honor to be part of that that first uh, inaugural, you know, Brooklyn, New York-type style uh, match. And it just brought me back to when I first, you know, went into the ring in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania in, in Madison Square Garden's. And uh, Baltimore and, and Maryland uh, or uh, and Philadelphia and just the, the fans' uh, appreciation of—they uh, know how hard you work in there, and they really enjoy being entertained. And when you give them something that they really uh, enjoy, they it, it just make you go harder and harder, and, and you just put out more than you really thought you could
0: no doubt and it was great seeing you there and obviously you're you're in your uh, patriotic the awesome hat you know that you're known for and the great you know military jacket
3: but where did you spawn
0: the great idea of, of being you know that super patriot where you're saying the pledge of allegiance you know and you're leading the crowd and you know that the awesome hat that everyone knows knows you for and the military garb. where did you get you know all your influences from and all your ideas for
3: that it just comes natural, you know, uh, being a patriotic uh, person and, uh, we, we just, uh, you know, my uncle, uh, served in the Korean War and I had other uncles that, uh, served in, in the military and, and my one uncle that, uh, was in Korean War, he stepped on landmine and, and, uh, lost his leg and his, his, uh, one of his eyes and, uh, some of his personal uh, uh, possessions, I should say, Uh, but he still fathered uh, five children. And so I I always admired him. He was my hero and followed my father. And and I just uh, thought, you know, at the time, there wasn't anybody really, you know, there was a few doing the the G.I. Joe type of thing, but uh, it just uh, came kind of natural kinda of natural and and uh the uh camouflage is symbolic of, of power and, and uh just uh I camouflaged a uh I camouflaged a, a limousine one time because our, our cars were just being destroyed by fans. And I wanted to get something really solid and, and tough and uh saw in this nineteen seventy three Cadillac and uh pristine shape and took it to a Army National Guard, and they paid it for me, and it just uh, became a character in itself. It just uh, just grew, you know, kept growing and growing and growing, and we kept watering it and, uh, and seeing how far it would grow, and uh, the results are, you know, still there today.
0: Now, obviously, you were a huge, huge character in the G.I. Joe series, probably the greatest G.I. Joe character of all time, if I could Say that, oh, and
2: uh,
0: <laughs> I distinctly remember having you know all the toys and all the Florida toys. I mean, just awesome line of toys. Obviously, you're you're in the GI the movie and and everything else. But how did you go about um, being brought in to GI Joe? How did they approach you, and what was Vince's reaction to that?
3: Well, I was approached by uh, a friend of mine who ended up uh, being my attorney, and he had a friend that. Uh, uh, had a business in Providence, Rhode Island, and G.I. Joe headquarters are in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, and they started talking about, uh, you know, G.I. Joe and Sergeant Slaughter, and, and somebody came up with the idea of uh, taking the uh, Sergeant Slaughter and putting them into the G.I. Joe action figure. Uh, it, was always been, it was always animated to that point. And so they came to me and, and asked me what I thought about it, and I said, I thought I thought it was a great idea. So I uh, went to approach uh, Vince McMahon, and he thought it was a great idea too, but he said, I can't let you do it because you know I have another toy company other than Hasbro, and there'd be a conflict of interest, and we, could, we can't do it. But would have lawsuits and things like that. So uh, I was a little disappointed, but uh, kept kind of pursuing it with Vince, and finally he just said, well, if you want to go be a GI Joe, go ahead to WWE. So I had to make a, make a decision whether I wanted to uh, become the first living T.I. Joe in its history or stay with the WWE, and I just kind of figured I could always be a professional wrestler. I could always go back to being a WWE superstar. I could never maybe get the opportunity to to do the G.I. Joe. So uh begrudgingly I I went uh away from the WWE. You know, I was on top doing very well. Gave up a lot of uh uh things and uh just went on my way and uh just had I can't look back and say I should should have did it differently. I did what I did and uh it's you know there today. Uh just wish it could have been promoted more with WWE uh than it has been over the years. But it's uh, you know, one of those things we were real close to uh when Mattel and Hasbro were getting for the contract for W W E of Hasbro was getting the contract that would have been really, really good for, for everybody, including myself. But uh, yeah, I just uh decided to to go in the GI Joe direction.
2: Uh, and uh, happy
3: I made the move.
2: You know, and looking back at that time, you not only did you just, you left the WWF and you went on to all the G.I. Joe stuff, but you were doing so much after that WWF run where, you know, you were at Monster Truck Rallies, you recorded an album, and you joined the AWA and was reunited with Vern Gagne. And unfortunately, Vern Gagne has passed away this year. But how was it getting back to Vern at that point when the AWA was kind of in its last you know, I guess last boom and last leg before they uh they folded a few years later.
3: Yeah, it was uh you know something I approached uh Vern with and he said, Yeah, you can come and promote your CI Joe. I don't think it's gonna be great. So he was one of the only uh wrestling organizations uh left out there that that had any uh, power left and, and any gas left in the engine so you know I went there and, and lifted it up and Larry's a Biscoe. and and I uh, ended up uh, at the end for the uh, title. I defeated him in Chicago, and soon after that, they disbanded. They just couldn't keep up with the times with uh, with, with Vince. I know that Vince approached uh, not only Vern, but all the uh, regional promoters, and asked them to join him, and he told them what he had in mind, you know, with pay-per-view and cable and all the... Uh, different things that he had in mind and uh, they all kind of laughed at him and, and uh, didn't like, you know, his ideas. And so they ended up all uh, kind of going under the, uh, under the table and uh, Vince continued and uh, you know, I, I didn't have any bad blood. If we did have bad blood, Vince and I, we, we buried the hatchet, uh, still working as their ambassador today and and do a lot of uh, things that I'm doing this Saturday, the baseball game and and meeting the fans and promoting the WWE. And it's, it's pay-per-views, it's, it's televisions and it's, uh, you know, live events. And that's, that's kind of what I do. And uh, along with it, I I promote GI Joe and, and uh, do a lot of uh, military appreciation nights and GI Joe nights and, Wrestling legend nights and, and we just uh, spread the word. You know, it's uh, we're all kind of together now and, and uh, promoting the same uh, company. So it's uh, it's good that they uh, uh, allow me to go out there and, and do that.
2: Oh, it's such a great collaborative relationship. But you know, it's funny. You know, if you're your run as the anti-american hero well, anti-american bad guy uh at, when you won the wwe championship was phenomenal but before that i just want to mention really quickly about gi joe with the movie being now almost 25 years old and did you think the movie was going to have such a lasting impact when you joined up with them
3: well you never uh think much about that when you're first doing it you know uh even the action figure you know it was uh as I said, there was a conflict of interest and WWE had just, you know, come out with their first uh, action figures and and I wasn't, I was um, uh, manufactured, but I wasn't being, wasn't able to be sold under the WWE, you know, branch. And uh, so Hasbro made a uh, Sergeant Slaughter action figure that was just a little bit bigger than the WWE's. You know, it's just Little things that uh, went on, and uh, and, it, and all of a sudden we went to the, the GI Joe action figure, and it was so much smaller, but it was easier for for children, of course, and and uh, to to play with and collect, and, and uh, you know it, it's it's just amazing to see it. I think over the years I've had I've got uh, all different sizes, of course, so probably about thirty or forty action figures. Uh, of, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, not only in G.I. Joe, but WWE and, and different vehicles. And uh, it's just, uh, amazing, uh, amazing what, what, uh, goes on out there, you know, and what, what people are, are wanting to, to be involved with. And of course, the movie, uh, kind uh, of, uh, speaks for itself, you know, if we didn't actually Think that it was going to be that big, but it was huge. The first uh, Sergeant Slaughter action figure with GI Joe was was phenomenal. They they expected to sell maybe three hundred thousand of them, and they ended up uh, four or five million. You know, and they had to back order everything because uh, they weren't expecting to happen. And back then, you couldn't buy Sergeant Slaughter; you had to earn them. And uh, it was just all types of types of Publicity and different promotions, and we just, uh, you, you know, you didn't have time to stop and think about all those things that were, were going on. You just went off and did them, you know. It's like uh, wrestling. I, I remember wrestling uh, 12 times a, a week one time, 12, 12 matches in one week. Wow. It's hard, hard to, to explain how you do those things, but you do it.
0: Now, obviously, we were talking about you being an anti-American and you returned to the WWF, you know, 1990, 1991 ish. Um, was it hard to play the anti-American? Did, did you have some reservations about doing it at first? I mean, obviously it led to you winning the title and a big feud with Hogan, but did you, um, you know, basically, did you want to do it or, or was it something that was hard to come about?
3: Well, uh, it was something that, uh, you know, I'm in the business of entertaining and, uh as I said earlier, I, I couldn't do the first uh, six WrestleManias because I was with uh, Hasbro and G.I. Joe. And uh, I had sent, uh, I kind of was kind of set back that I wasn't with the WWE, kind of hurt feelings, and I didn't really watch much of the shows. And I really didn't have much time anyway, but uh, I did watch uh, WrestleMania 6 from Toronto. Hogan and uh, Warrior were, uh, were the uh, top bill for the main event, and I, and I watched. It. And the uh, next day, I sent uh, Vince McMahon a handwritten note to his home, saying that I had watched the uh, pay-per-view, and it wasn't so much the match that I thought was was so good, but his uh, production. I thought his production was could not be top by anybody that I'd ever seen, you know? And, uh, but, uh, two weeks later, I got a, a call. I was watching a, a NASCAR race on a Sunday afternoon and answered the phone and it was Vince and he said, uh, Sarge. And I said, yes. He said, Vince. And there's only one, one Vince. And, uh, he said, uh, see if you're down with GI Joe. And, uh, I said, yeah, funny. You should know that. And, uh, so well, I've got an idea for you. I don't know if you'd uh, come over to my uh, my house and uh, I'll go through it with you. So I thought he was gonna take uh, G.I. Joe, the real American hero, Sergeant Slaughter, and make him the real, real, real American hero with all of his you know, ways of doing it. And uh but he had other ideas. So when I went to his home he laid up this huge uh uh piece of cardboard that was all painted up and it had uh, LA Coliseum and uh, would hold 104,000 fans. And he said, I want to fill this up at WrestleMania seven. I want you to help me do it. And I said, okay, great. You know, he, he said, well, well listen to me and see what, what you think. So he started laying on this, you know, idea coming back as a Iraqi sympathizer and eventually uh, working our way to uh, Hogan and I to be on you know, the main event. So I, of course, uh, being the opposite of what you, you are is, is is always fun to to play as a, as a character. And uh, I just, I was all, you know, down the hole. I, I wanted to do it immediately, but he said, go home and talk to your family about it. It could be pretty rough out there, you know. So I went and talked to my wife and my, my daughters, who really didn't know much about it. Uh, my wife just said, you are you know, crazy to do something like that. You're, it's impossible, you know, for TI Joe, Sergeant to Slaughter, to, to do that. So I said, well, let's let's give it a try. So we we started on our way, and, of course, it did get pretty, pretty rough out there. You know the death threats and the bomb threats, and when I uh first started out, they brought me back nice and slow and, and uh, let people digest it, knowing that you know it just came off with of G.I. Joe and he's anti American and, and he's strong for Iraq and what was going on. You, you had to take your time doing it and uh didn't want to lose them. and uh, so we. We worked hard at it, and uh, Randy's uh, Macho Man uh, Savage and uh, the Ultimate Warrior were in a kind of a, a battle, uh, a rivalry, and uh, Macho Man broke his hand, and uh just came to me and said, uh, we're going to switch gears. I'm going to put you with the Warrior and have uh, Sherry be your, your manager and uh, get through till Randy heals, so i so uh Hogan kinda t- disappeared and uh we uh went on with uh, the Warrior and did all these matches and at that time uh they Brandy and Warrior were into uh almost into the cage match uh part of their storyline. So I had to get into shape pretty quick, uh with the with the warrior. But we we battled and we battled and we battled and, and finally, uh in Miami, uh took the title from him and uh started on our way to uh, Hogan and, and the LA Coliseum and the hundred and four thousand fans and it just uh that night after uh I I took the title from uh from Warrior it, it really the gas was really poured on the fire and uh there was no looking back at that point and it really, really started, you know, getting rough out there. Uh, I got to Philadelphia, and uh one of the uh road agents asked if I spoke to Vince or my wife and I said, no, are a problem, so we'll watch you call him so I called home and there was no answer and i then I called uh, Vince and uh, uh he told me that uh, someone had called up and uh, threatened to kill me and and uh my family and him and his family and blow up our homes and blow up the resting office and blow up, blow up the studio and and do all kinds of uh, dastardly deeds. So he took it uh, upon himself to call my wife and get her out of the house until he could secure premises and everything. So I finally uh, got a hold of my, uh, my wife and she was kind of like laughing about it and told me, I, I told you this wasn't a good idea. <laughs> and uh, of course I... I lived in Connecticut and I lived on, a, on a, a four acre piece of land that was very, very difficult to find, much less get to. And, uh, Visit uh, promised me that there'd be security there that by that night. And, uh, so when I got back, uh, a few days later, I, I went up to my driveway and there was a Winnebago, how it got up there, I had no A Winnebago in my driveway and there were four, uh, gentlemen with seats and uh came by and introduced themselves and showed me that they were armed and they were packing and uh they would uh watch the uh, perimeter of my property twenty four seven and they were gonna take my children to school and and, take my wife to the shopping center and uh all types of uh things and uh of course my wife wasn't too too happy about that so she uh didn't allow any of the uh, things to go on at school, or, or we just kind of took the bullet, more or less, and uh, we we got through it. And uh, you know, just uh, it was one of those things where you can't look back and say, you know, uh, I should have did this, should have did that. Uh, Vince told me to to do whatever because of my creative uh, nature and ability to just go and and do whatever I could do, and if I got too far over the line, he would pull the reins back, and that's kind of what we did a few times. Uh, there were times, you know, there was uh, Saddam Hussein's uh, birthday. We took a check out to the ring and asked everybody to sing happy birthday to Saddam. Mm-hmm. You know, have people uh, stand up in the audience and get 10 seconds of silence to... Uh, all the brave Iraqi soldiers who died in the overtake of Kuwait and all types of crazy things. Uh, they wanted me to burn the American flag, but I refused to do that. So I suggested that we take Hulk Hogan's shirt, put it on a flagpole and or more or less a stick and and say that represents Americana and burn it. And uh, I think that got more repercussions than, well, I don't think it got more, but it, it was just uh hardcore as you could go other than doing the other the way and uh so we just uh looked back at it and uh thinking of you know uh he oakland refused to interview me a few times because he was afraid you know because hmm. we we're doing live shows and uh brother love would, would interview me uh people look back and, and watch all the interviews that i did uh with uh with brother love but uh you no know, i could I could talk to you for for weeks about you know what we did but uh and how we handled it and uh general Adnan of course uh, was from iraq uh, uh iraq uh, went to, grew up there went to college with Saddam hussein and uh knew how to speak the language and his family was all uh, killed over there and it was a rough time for everybody.
0: Definitely. Now, as we start to wind it down a little bit here, I'm always very curious about this, especially a guy of your stature and your caliber. You're one of the greatest of all time. If anybody says pro wrestling, boom, Sergeant Slaughter's name should be at the top of the list. If anybody says G.I. Joe, boom, your name immediately comes to mind. Obviously, you're the great American hero, if you will, but do you have a favorite match or matches that you had in your career? Because I know you had a ton of great ones. Does any stick out to you?
3: Well, as we mentioned earlier, the uh, the alley fight with, with Pat Patterson because of the nature of it being that, uh, you know, there's no referee and it was the first of its kind. And wrestlers like Mick Foley were in the audience's fans back then. And, and uh, the impact it had on, on today's, uh, you know, entertainment value. Uh, the the tag match with Steamboat and Youngblood was Grenoble and my, my all-time favorites because it was – the first of his kind. And uh you know, the Iron Cheek I guess uh probably stands out to be out there with you know, one of my favorite matches a boot camp match in Madison Sports It was one of the greatest matches of all time along with the uh with the Alley fight with Pat Patterson and, and uh I think the impact that the uh boot camp match had was later on Years later, when I, uh, other seven presidents that I'd met, uh, two of them saw that match, you know, and they, when I won the match, I took the American flag and I stood up and I said, the pledge of allegiance. And they said that they stood up and said it with me. So you knew you were, you had to, uh, you didn't know how far your audience went. So you knew uh, a president was standing up doing the pledge of allegiance with you and that hmm. it was a fan. So, uh, you know, just uh really uh the impact of that match and uh you know what what uh, audience it grew into and, and how the uh the entertainment uh, of today of the the WWE has grown and, and you don't know who's watching out there and and uh if we do President's back then can you imagine who's watching it today. Very, very true. Now, you've
0: wrestled so many great guys. Obviously, we are talking about uh, Steamboat and Youngblood, and you've even wrestled, of course, the nature boy, Rick Flair, and we were talking about your feud with Hulk Hogan, and obviously we mentioned you winning the title from the Ultimate Warrior. But is there any guy throughout your career that you would say, man, that's my favorite opponent, just something clicked with you guys? Maybe the chemistry was there?
3: Well, um, whenever you wrestled uh, Ricky Steamboat, uh, the chemistry was always there, you know. It was like uh, we knew each other, you know, without even uh, looking at each other. We could uh, control the match, and control the audience, and control the uh, the pace. And uh, it was just a, an amazing uh, uh, talent to work with, along with Pat Patterson. Uh, you know, when you get two ring generals together in a in a, uh, in a match amazing what results can, can come about it's not so much like today where you, you see who can do the biggest suplex and who can who's the strongest or who's uh, the biggest going uh, over the top uh, rope and it's how you present it and how you uh, weave it through a match and, and uh, that it has uh, you know some meaning to it and uh so those are the kind of guys like Pat Patterson and Ricky Stiegel, uh that you could tell stories with, and the Iron Cheek and, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and uh, the Warrior uh, Hogan were, were great uh, names, you know, the great performers. Uh, sometimes, you know, you couldn't you know, keep up with them. It all depended on who was in the ring with them. And uh, Bob Backlund, who was a, a great. Performer, but no one ever liked his style. Cause he, you know, it's kind of a back to the '60s type of style. Uh, but if you get the right villain uh, in there with him, people, you know, cheered Bob Backlund most of the time. When when you would watch a Bob Backlund match, he was booed. But when I was in the ring with Bob Backlund, people cheered him, and it, it, that was a big, you know, feather in your cap to do something like that. And when someone like Vincent McMahon Sr. comes to you and, and says, you know, uh, Sergeant, he never called me Sarge or anything, but Sergeant, he called me Sergeant, if, if I looked up uh, Ring General in the ditch chair, your picture would be there. That, that's a compliment you don't get from just anybody or any time. And I've always been very honored that I, I heard that from him. Uh, it's a... Uh, uh, other than talking about uh, you know, crowds, the, the big thing that uh, always goes down in, in your resume is S-O, sold out. <laughs> when you sell out something like a Madison Square Garden and you sell out the arena next to it, when you sell out the Detroit uh, you know, Solar Dome and, and you sell out uh, all these arenas, which they'll probably do in Dallas. It's not so much one or two people that do it anymore. It's a, it's it's the WWE that does it. They they can make an announcement and it so it sells out. But when it when a, a entertainer goes in and sells it out and it says sold out next to your name, that's a pretty big deal. And that that's the only thing that really was a, a hiccup on the way to uh, you know. WrestleMania Seven. Completing that journey was not being able to say that I sold out a 104,000 uh, seat uh, coliseum. That that was the real hardship. Uh, the match was there. The the, the people were there. You know, we had the pay per view uh, audience uh, record for a while. Been uh, broken many times since, but but that that word "sold out" next to your name at uh, an a place like the L.A. Coliseum or Detroit or Dallas, that's what really simplifies, you know, you're your being uh, one of the greater or the best performers of your time.
2: Totally agree. And, Sarge, we always have to say, you know, not you might have sold those buildings out, but we also bought in. But before we let you go, we just want to know, you were one of the first crossover superstars to – you know, really accomplish a lot in both pl- two platforms. What would you say your overall legacy is, whether it's in wrestling or in pop culture or GI Joe? What would you say the Sergeant Slaughter legacy is?
3: Well, I just wanted to remember be remembered as someone that uh, that uh, entertained uh, people and enjoyed watching me you know, paying um, money to come see whether I was the American hero or the the, the villain. And, uh, you know, there's uh, legends and there's legendary, two different words, uh, immortal. Uh, different words uh, mean different things. You know, it's on how you come back from injuries, uh, how you climb back up the mountain when you get knocked off. And uh, it's uh, the name Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, usually you think of one person, and that's that's what you want. You don't want anybody to kind of copy that, that image or if they do not to be able to do it and so uh, just continuing on you know I, I don't um, uh, move like I did at one time but uh, <clears throat> so if somebody wants to uh, put put the tights on and, and the boots on and I don't ever back down from it but uh, uh, we'll uh, have a great time this Saturday through, throughout the first pitch and uh, you know, we uh Get to meet all the the great fans of uh, baseball and and wrestling, and and, uh, it's just a a good night. It's a it's a fun night, and uh, really looking forward to it.
2: Awesome! And Cobra clutches for everybody in attendance if they say the wrong (laughs) thing to Sergeant Slaughter. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, Sarge.
3: Uh, My pleasure. You're dismissed and carry on.
2: (laughs) Awesome, Sarge. I will be.